Well, good evening, welcome. I'm excited to be here with you tonight. We're in the second series on, our second uh, message in a series on work and why it matters. If you haven't joined the workforce yet, maybe you're fresh out of high school, uh, you're, a little, you're, you're just in college and you're like, I'm not making any money. You're like, why does this matter to me? This does apply everywhere in life. Uh, you, you probably remember your first job. Uh, some of you probably had some weird first jobs. I, I've been there. Uh, one of my first jobs, this wasn't my, my, my first real job, this was my second job. I only worked my first one uh, for a summer. Um, but my, my second job was working for a photographer who's probably about my dad's age. Now this guy had like made his money and established himself as a photographer. He was doing all of, now this was like 80s, 90s, 2000s. So he had established himself with local high schools being like the guy who takes pictures at the, the dance where it's like the awkward like hands on the hips. Like he had the, he had the booth of that. So I've been to like 60 dances even though I was homeschooled. It's a weird thing. Um, it doesn't really make any sense. Um, but I enjoyed it. He was like a, a true entrepreneur, like s- such an interesting person. But he had this house that was converted into a studio. So I would do anything from like, he had a, a white wall that every Friday I would come in and paint that wall white. Um, and we just kept the same paint roller um, in, the, in the fridge at all the times. Because if you keep paint in the fridge, it doesn't dry out. So every Friday, pull that thing out, paint the, paint the wall white, and that's what I did for like three years, four years in, in high school. Um, but then we would go to, go to high schools and we'd take pictures of like the football team and you'd get them like this number. Like we, I took, I have, if you can imagine like an early 2000s pose that's cheesy, I probably took it. I was probably there with it. And to start, I was just like holding the camera bag, taking forms, doing everything. And I did everything for this guy. And it was a ton of fun. Uh, I did everything from like mowing the lawn at the studio, mowing the lawn at his house, doing a little bit of everything. Uh, but one summer, I knew I was in a little bit of, a, of, a, of trouble because he always had these like crazy ideas. And sometimes it was exciting because I didn't know what I was getting in for. And sometimes it was like, where in the world is this going? Because he all, always had a plan, uh, and sometimes the plan wasn't awesome. And normally the plan had to do with like, we're gonna save as much money as we can in the midst of this plan. So here was the plan. They had this area back behind the studio that they would take like senior pictures at. And he was like, we're gonna make this new area and we're gonna get rocks and we're gonna put these big rocks around and we're gonna, it was kind of sloped, so put some rocks around, fill it with gravel so that it's like a little retaining wall deal. I was 16. I had never built a retaining wall before. I had no idea what I was doing. I was like, where are we getting everything? He's like, well, you go to this place to get the gravel, pick it up in the truck, drop it off. And I was like, okay, where are we getting the big rocks? And he was like, you know on Highway 21 where they've blasted through the hill and there's rocks on the side of the highway? Stop there and pick up rocks. And I was like, this is, this is such a bad idea. So I was driving around Jefferson County, Missouri, trying to find spots where they've blasted out hills to build a highway, and then trying to not get hit by cars and putting big rocks in the back of this truck, um, all the while being like, I don't think this is gonna work. Like, I'm saying I don't think it's gonna work because I'm the one doing the work, and I'm just confident I don't know what I'm doing. I did like half the work, and he like came outside one day and he looked at it and he goes, you should stop doing this. (laughs) And I was like, awesome. And that was like half my summer was just moving rocks around. And I was like, man, that that felt awful. I hated every second of that. 
uh, because one, it just felt meaningless. I knew from beginning to end it wasn't gonna, gonna mean anything. And I think sometimes in work, whether you work for yourself and you have to do your own taxes, or you work at a large corporation and you're not sure what difference you're making, or you work for the government or whatever that job is, you, you probably have some tasks and some things you have to do that you're like, I don't get why I'm doing this. This seems meaningless. And Logan talked uh, such, such a great word last week about work and why it matters. Really just like an overall picture of theology of work and why work matters and what gives work its meaning. This week I wanna talk about what happens when work is meaningless. What happens when work is meaningless? Because I think we've all been there and like you, you maybe read the coffee cup verses about work and you're like, I get that, but like how does that apply to my day to day? Some of the verses that Logan talked about last week was like in Colossians and it says, work as unto the Lord, right? Like you're working for God. And that's like a good idea until you're moving rocks that you're confident aren't gonna go anywhere. And then there's 1 Corinthians 10, 31 that says, whatever you do, do it to glorify God. And we hear that and we're like, how can I glorify God in moving rocks that I'm confident are gonna mean absolutely nothing? I wanna share with you a verse that really changed my theology of really work and anything else that I do. Because God wants to not just change certain aspects of our lives, not just a Tuesday night, not just a Sunday morning, not just our time that goes to small group. God wants to change anything and everything that we're a part of. One of my favorite verses is in 2 Corinthians 5 when it says, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone away and the new has come. And that's not compartmentalized. There's not little pieces of that that aren't a part of what God wants to change and grow for you. So as we start tonight, I wanna ask, what does your work life look like? Is your work life segmented? Is it fractured? Does it look like the rest of your life? We're in Matthew 10, and in Matthew 10, what Jesus is doing is he's sending the 12 disciples out. Now, this actually happens before Jesus dies, before he, he gets, he's risen again, and all this stuff happens, but he's kind of giving them their marching orders before anything ever happens. I want to read Matthew 10, verse 7 and 8. It says, And proclaim as you go, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You receive without paying, give without pay. And I've always loved the second verse, the verse eight there that says heal the sick, raise the dead. There's all this like stuff that like, I want to see that happen. And what Jesus was doing was he was giving them the work of God. He was giving them the things that at the time only he was really capable of. And he's saying, you go and do what I'm doing now in the world. But it's the verse before that, that changed a lot for me. He says, and proclaim as you go, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but that phrase in between is the one that really messed with me. It says, as you go. I think sometimes in our work, we wanna just make it about the destination. I will be a really faithful church guy whenever I have kids. Because I know I'll need to get them in church, I wanna be a family man. I'll be a really faithful church guy whenever I get married. I'll be a really faithful church guy whenever I find the person I'm supposed to be. I'll be a really faithful church guy whenever I find my people. I'll be a really faithful church guy whenever I'm starting to make over 50 grand a year. I'll be, and you can fill in the blank with whatever that might be for you as when I reach this milestone, when I reach this destination, then I'll start really being obedient. But what we read in the Bible is that it's not the case. The word here, as you go, literally means journey. 
And if you've worked a job, you know that any job can be a little bit of a journey. You know that nothing ever feels perfect. I remember the first time like an issue came up when I was working at the church and I was like, I gotta, I gotta call somebody. I gotta get, get somebody's opinion. And I called my dad and I explained the situation. I expected him to go, yeah, you're right. Go in there and bust some heads, tell him what's going on. And I was like, all right, we're gonna do it. And I called I call my dad and I tell him and he laughed. And I was like, this is not gonna be good. And my dad's been a machinist since he was 18. And he laughed at my, at my issue and he goes, ah, that's work, bud. I was like, oh man, that's not what I wanted to hear. He's like, nothing's gonna be perfect. And my dad had a good theology of work because he understood that God created us and lived in the garden and there was, there was work to be had by Adam and Eve, but sin came in and fractured that. And it didn't just fracture it for Adam and Eve, it fractured it for us too. But the good news is, is that Christ came to repair that relationship, to take on all the debt of sin that we have so that we could have relationship with God again. But we still live in a broken world. God hasn't returned yet. He hasn't fully redeemed all of it yet. He's restoring, redeeming the world to himself, but it hasn't happened yet. That's part of the reason he leaves us on earth is that so we can be heaven on earth to the people that are around us. Your work life is not going to be perfect. If you wait to be obedient to what God's word says until everything is in a row, you will never be obedient to God's word. If you wait for the perfect boss to be obedient, you will never be obedient. If you wait for the perfect home life, if you wait for the perfect marriage, girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever you can fill in the blank is, you will end up never being obedient to God because of your choice. And I love this because it just says, as you go. You know that there are gonna be circumstances where your career doesn't quite get jump-started as fast as you think, right? You're not in the job that you want. You end up working retail a little longer than you thought. You get laid off. You're working at that store a little longer than you hoped you would. You're not making full-time salary money like you hoped you would. It's not perfect. It's a journey. There are unforeseen circumstances. There are also circumstances that just aren't perfect. There are things that are messed up in your work life. And if you wait for obedience until all of that is right, you will never be obedience. You will never have obedience. There's unexpected turns. I think about it in, in way of my kids. I've got four young kids. They're I can't even remember how old they are. I've got four of them from seven to one. And um, when I think about my kids, um, they're all so different and it's such a fun time because like the three-year-old is like, he's finally coming into his personality and it's so fun and funny. And the seven-year-old and the five-year-old, they're all completely different even though they're all brothers. And, and it's just so interesting to watch. And, and I just think about them and I think about like, I don't think about them and go, man, if they're not all NFL athletes, I'm gonna be devastated. I don't even think I can set my sights on, they all need to work in ministry. They all need to be vocational ministers. They are, I have four boys, they're all gonna be pastors. Not that, it just may not be realistic. If I set my sights on, they have to have the perfect job, I'll be disappointed in them. And I think we have to delineate between the idea in our minds between being and doing. 
Are you setting your hopes for obedience on, I'm going to go do and, and do this thing, or I'm going to be wherever I'm at? Wherever I'm at, I'm going to be obedient. Wherever I'm at, I'm going to be a light. Wherever I'm at, I'm going to be who God's called me to be in that situation. When I think about my kids, I want them to be strong and kind and compassionate and generous and heartfelt and and all these things. I don't care where they end up. Now, I want them to contribute to society. I want them to be good at whatever they do. But their capacities might be completely different. And if one of them ends up in one role and another one ends up in another role, I'm not going to look at it and go, failure, success. If they're kind, compassionate, Christ-loving people, I'm going to be happy. You have the opportunity, wherever you end up, to walk in what God has for you. I want to challenge you. As you read God's word, when it talks about God's will, it's always something that you can do. It's always something you can walk in. It's always something you can live out. I grew up in church, and sometimes God's will was spoken about in a way that it was really mysterious. God's will was like talked about by older people, and they'd be like, yeah, I was living out of God's will for a little bit, and then uh, I found God's will, and now I'm walking in God's will. And I was always like, what page of the Bible did he reveal that to you? Now, they probably meant something that wasn't that confusing, but I remember being in high school and being like, God, I don't know if it's school in St. Louis where I grew up, or if it's Missouri State, God, I want your will, I want your will, I want your will. And sometimes I think God looks at two situations and goes, you can do either. Now, sometimes I feel like God will give you very clear direction, opportunity, good things that you can do to advance the kingdom of God. But sometimes I think he goes, go and be. Be my child in that arena. Matthew 5.16 says it this way. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. We, we get to go wherever that might be and be a light. There's darkness all over. We get to go into certain situations and be the light of God to wherever that might be. Now, I want to contrast that with if, if you have the light of Christ in you, if you have the love of God, if your life has been changed by Christ, you carry that with you wherever you go. Now, the other end of the spectrum is, if, I'm out of, if, if God has option A, B, and C, and D, and all the way through Z, and, and, and God had Y for me, and I was one off, I chose Z, you feel like a failure until you figure out what that thing might be. And sometimes I think we, we end up missing what God has for us because we're so confused. We're so pictured on one thing. Sometimes I think God is like me and my children where he looks at me and goes, I want you to just serve me. I want you to be a light as you go, wherever you might end up. Go and be a light. Proclaim that he is God. Proclaim his story. So what does that mean? As you go, proclaim, saying the kingdom of heaven is it near. Do good in God's name and tell the story of God as you live. Do good in God's name and tell the story of God as you live. I think God's gonna shine on that. I think God's gonna smile on that. I think he's gonna love that for you. I think sometimes we put a lot of hope into what we do and we trust that like, man, if I mess this up, it's gonna be really, really awful. And I think we we need to be faithful. 1 Corinthians 3, 6 said, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. We're called for obedience. 
We're called to just show up and do the right thing. We're called to be faithful. You and I don't have a control over the kingdom of God growing or, or shrinking. God controls that. It's a mercy to us that we get to be a part of it. You know, God doesn't need us for ministry, but he includes us in it, that we get to be a part of it. It's a blessing to you and I that we get to see the world reached. Why? Because God loves us. God lets us be a light. He could do it on his own, but he includes us. I want to challenge a, a thought here. That maybe you're like, okay, I'm not where I want to be. I'm not where I'm hoping to be. I'm in a season of waiting. One of my favorite verses is in Acts 6:17, And he says, that, now while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, Paul's waiting for two people in Athens. This isn't his city. This isn't where he feels like God is sending him, but he's waiting. And it says, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw the city was full of idols. I'm picturing Paul sitting on a park bench, hanging, and he's just like, This is not the city I'm called to. But he finds himself there for a season, and then you get to read how he reasons with the people in the Areopagus, and he sees some people come to Christ. Why? Because he was faithful in the waiting. Are you in a season of waiting? You're not where you hope to be or want to be. Can I tell you that God is not not using this time? God is not wasting this time. God wants to use this season of waiting so that you can see things happen for the kingdom of God. Do we have the eyes to see what Paul saw? Do we have the eyes to see what God was doing around him to say, proclaim, kingdom of God is near. There was an urgency in what Jesus was telling his disciples to do. The kingdom of God is near. These disciples heard that Jesus was coming back. They didn't know if it was days, weeks, months. Now we know it's been over 2,000 years. But they, they left and they had an urgency because they didn't know when Christ was coming back. They wanted to be obedient, so they went and told and did, and now we've sat back and gone, it's been 2,000 years, it probably won't happen anytime soon. And I think God looks at us and says, you have a work to do, and you're choosing not to do it. And it's faithlessness. So what do we do? Acts 1.8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Our call is to go to people, to where people are. So in your work, in your school, in your home, if there are people there, God has called you to them. And I love it because it doesn't just say like, go and figure it out. It says that the Holy Spirit will go with you and you will receive power when it happens. That's not a small thing. That's huge. Jesus actually told the disciples, it's better that I leave and the Holy Spirit comes. The Holy Spirit comes to you. It's better. And then he tells them to go into your city, your state, your nation, and all over the world. We're called to go anywhere and everywhere. Anywhere and everywhere. I think sometimes there's lies that, I think this is like ideal, like, right? I think everybody wants to have meaning and purpose and when you think about like what your work means, everybody wants to have fulfillment in it. Um, I think about a conversation I had with my dad one time. My, my grandfather worked for, um, for the Ameren UE for his entire life, from he was 18 to when he retired. And I was just like, 
How, how did he do that? How did he work for the same company for almost 50 years? And like, did he get fulfillment out of it? And my dad kind of shrugged, and we had this interesting conversation that I do think data backs up that our generation looks for fulfillment in what we do. That generation looked at for fulfillment in providing for their families. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I think we're looking for fulfillment because we don't look at it and go, I'm just struggling to eat, I'm struggling to survive, I'm just struggling to put food on the table. We look at it and go, that will probably get figured out at almost any job. What can I do that adds to society? What can I do that is good for people? What can I do that helps? But I think sometimes we put that on a, on a pedestal and we say, I want that over almost anything. I want that fulfillment. Or we end up buying into a lie of why we can't have fulfillment at our job. Think about some of the things that you've thought about in your job, how you, you w- would maybe go and be a warrior for Christ, how you would go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven is near and tell people about the story of God. But you go, I don't want to be that guy at work. <laughs> I get it. Totally understand. You're like, man, I'm not, not very well spoken. What if I end up not speaking well of God? What, what if, what if? I don't have like the right personality. I just don't know if that's it. I remember when I first started at the church, I never planned on being in ministry. I, I got a, a degree in economics from Missouri State, and I grew up in the church, so I always assumed God will use you outside of your comfort zone, right? That was just something I assumed. God won't use what you know. He'll take you somewhere else. So I was always like, God will call me to the business world. And I did that for a year at a bank, and I, I, I ended up back at the church. And um, when I first started at the church, I, I was fighting this like tension in myself. And it took me a long time to figure out where it came from. And some of the people that I really looked up to in the church that I grew up in, and this is to no one's fault but my own and the lie that I bought into, but all those people had a certain personality type. They were really entrepreneurial. They were, they were really type A. They could go after anything and everything, and they were really creative, and they would chase things down, and they, would, they were super extroverted. And then I started at the church, and I was like, that's how that person was. That's how that group of people was. I'm not the same. So I just can't be used. I just, that's the role. This is the stereotype. And I just don't fit into it. So I just kind of have to step back. And it took a long time of like figuring out what that tension was and ultimately surrendering it to God and going, God, I don't get it. You've called me to this, but I don't feel like I'm good at it. And I just remember so vividly someone telling me, God did not make a mistake when he created you. Did you know that? That God didn't like have a perfect personality and then you got a little messed up in the line. God doesn't look at you and go, man, they, they have got to fix their personality. They've got to fix the way I've created them. Now, we are called to look like Christ. There's this thing called sanctification where we're made more like Christ every single day where we're following him moment by moment reflecting God back to the world in a clear and accurate way. But in your personality type, God didn't look at you and go, man, I messed that one up. We gotta try again. And I just remember I was soaking in that feeling for so long. I was soaking in that lie for so long. And I think I was not as good as what I could have been at my job. I think I lacked confidence because I thought, 
God can't fully actually use me where I'm at. God will never actually do something purposeful and meaningful with this because, man, those people were so good at what they did for the church and I'm just not as good. But that was a lie. That wasn't true. God created me and called me to something. He's given me purpose in it. He's given me meaning in it. He's given me the ability to do it. Another version of Acts 1.8 says that he will give you power and the ability to do it. And that comes through humility. Because we have to show up at the foot of the cross and say, God, you've called me to this, but I can't do it. I don't know how to do this. God, I want to reach my coworkers. I want to reach my friends. I want to reach my family. But I'm not capable. I don't know how to do this well. God, I need you. The prayer of salvation is not a one and done diving board in. It's the beginning of a life. Surrender to God. God saying, God, I can't. You can. Every single day, all the time. He created you to uniquely reach people in a way that others can't. He created you to uniquely reach people that other people can't. He gave you the time, the abilities, the desires that you have. You care about different things than I do. You might look at the things I care about, the things that I'm passionate about, and you go, why would anybody ever care? But I get to connect with people that you would never get to. You get to be in a program at school that I would never get to. You get to be in a job. You get to be in a family that I would never have the ability to spend the time that you can because why? God has called you to that group of people and he's uniquely gifted you to reach them. If God's called you in the middle of it, Matthew 10, 7 is true. As you go, as you journey, as you're in that family, as you're in that job, proclaim. It's our role to just tell. It's our role to just tell. I think sometimes we, we don't see God work because we're not faithful. And it's kind of a chicken and egg scenario. Because we're like, God, I want to see you do big things, but you have to act first. God, I want to see you reach my campus, God, I want to see you re do big things. And then we go, God, you do it. That verse in 1 Corinthians says, some watered, some planted, but God gave the growth. Our call is to obedience. Who do you have proximity to? Who do you see every day? Who do you see every week? Who do you see every month? Who did God give you relationship with? It's a healthy thing to grab a card, an index card, and write down the names of the people that you see on a consistent basis, and to just pray for them. God, will you give me opportunity? God, will you give me favor with these people? Will you help me? I wrote down seven things. Now, uh, these are things you find in the Bible, but I feel like this is the start of how do you start to jump in this? How do you start to have an impact on the people that are around you? What can we do now? What are the things that we can control? The first thing is to be helpful, to be a person that helps people. That verse in Matthew 5, 16 let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and listen to this, and give glory to your Father who's in heaven. We don't help people so that people go, man, that Jared's just such a nice guy. We, we do these good works 
Ephesians is all about this. In Ephesians 2, it talks about how we were dead in our sin, but God made us alive with him. And then it says he, he wears workmanship and he created good works for us to do before we were ever born. God has good things for you to do. I think we just have to say, God, I want to see them and I want to do them. And sometimes that's as simple as being like, I'm going to be a helpful person at my office. So when there's a new person, I'm going to go, hey, my name's Jared. Yeah, I struggled getting logging into my, this is the, this is the way you, that you do it. Yeah, I didn't know how to do that when I first started too. Can I show you a little shortcut? Can I show you how I do that and it saved me 10, 15 minutes every day? Be a helpful person. Be a helpful person. The second thing, be hardworking. I think sometimes we want to witness or we do, but then we're lazy. And I think people see that really quickly. Our work reflects our God. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. At your job, you probably don't have a perfect boss. And it will speak volumes of your character and who God is shaping you into if you work as unto the Lord. If your boss's boss was there, you'd probably look real nice. You'd probably work really hard. You'd probably do things by the book. If someone who was very rich and powerful showed up, you'd probably do a really good job. Listen, your boss is gonna fail you. Your boss is not gonna do a good job 100% of the time. Why do I know that? Because your boss is probably a person and they're gonna fail you. They're sinful just like you and I. So we could have an attitude where we cross our arms and we go, I'm gonna be a good employee whenever they figure their stuff out. Or we could go, I'm not working for you. I'm working because I'm called to be a, a, a reflection, an ambassador for Christ to the world that I'm around. So now I'm going to work as unto the Lord. Be a hard worker, regardless of your boss. And maybe you're here and you're like, I'm a hard worker in a tough spot. Like I'm thinking about, Teachers, I'm thinking about government workers, I'm thinking about people that you are serving hard all day long. Second Corinthians 9.8 says this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. As you attempt to go and do every good work, God's grace is enough. His help is enough. That has to be our source of strength. Be helpful, be hardworking. Third, be holy. I think sometimes when we're, when we're trying to be a light to the people that are around us and our character is not good, when our life looks the same as everyone around us, I don't think it's a good look for the person that we serve. Ephesians 4.1 says, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Do you walk, do you live? Does your everyday life look like you are worthy of the calling that you have from Christ? Have you dealt with sin? Or is your life just the same at work as it with everybody else at your job? Are you gossiping the same? Are you cutting corners the same? Are you turning that 10 minute break into a 15 minute break? Are you just hard to deal with? Number four, hear people. 
listen to them. I think sometimes it's tough, like we've all heard the spiel when, you, when you, somebody knocks on your door, do you know my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And you're like, they're just gonna talk at me for 20 minutes. They don't, they're not gonna hear anything that I have to say. And you're like, yeah, actually my life has been changed by Christ. And they don't hear you. We need to be people that listen, quick to listen, slow to speak. Number five, be hospitable, celebrate people. You know who people wanna be with? People that celebrate them, people that take time, people that go, I'm for you, I'm with you, that take a minute and go, you know what, I would love to go sit in my car on my break, but I'm gonna sit with you and ask you how your day was. Be hospitable, allow interruptions. Number six, be hopeful. Be hopeful. Are you gloomy? Are you walking around going, man, God is good and he's capable of saving anyone and everyone. So it may not be the person that I think, it may not be the situation that I think, but I have a God, who's the, the Bible says the God of hope, that we will have a steadfastness of hope because we're so filled with it because we know that eternity can be spent with God. And lastly, make a habit of sharing. Make a habit of sharing. Know your story. Know what God's done in your life, in your heart, what God has done for you. Um, I was with uh, a friend this last week, and uh, we were talking about what's next for him in life, and one of the things he talked about was like, yeah, I'd love to be getting married. And he's dating someone. He's like, I'd love to be getting married in, uh, in the summer. And it was like, man, that's so exciting. We are talking about all the things that, that engagement and wedding planning and all that stuff. And we were talking about like, what's it like to be engaged? And um, one of the things that came up, he was like, how long was your engagement? And Tyler and I were engaged for five months and we wish that it was shorter just because what, what I always say to people now is like, all it needs to be is to figure out how to live your lives together and plan a wedding. That's all it needs to be. What's your lease look like? What debt, done with school, background? Like once you know, get married. It's gonna be awesome. Um, but I was thinking about that and I was thinking about like, if you're figuring out how your, your life is gonna look and you're like, okay, we're gonna live your apartment, this is when we get married, this is where we're gonna go. If like a couple weeks into marriage, I were to show up and go, okay, this is our home. It's Thursday evening, I'm gonna go back to my apartment. My wife would have been like, what? what? No, 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 that's not how it works. Or if like we got married, moved in, and I was like, yeah, this is living room, dining room, kitchen, bathroom, master bedroom. The guest bedroom is mine and you can't go in there. You hear that and you're like, that ain't gonna last very long. That's not gonna be good. I think sometimes that's our attitude towards God in certain areas of our lives. God, I'm, I'm in with you. Closeness, intimacy. I want my whole life to be changed by you. And then we go, my work life? my preferences, my time, my serving, my money, sex, whatever that might be, we can have a room in the house that we're not letting God in. Do you have an area of your life where you've not let God in? And is work one of them? Because sometimes it's easy to be one person, one place, 
one person at home, one person at church, one person while you're serving, and then you go out and you go, I'm gonna let this area be its own. I think there's a humility in telling God, God, I don't know how, I've never done it before, but I wanna invite you into this area. I want you to impact every area of my life. I wanna be changed by you. I don't want there to be areas off limits. Because you know that if you're doing that in a marriage, nothing's gonna be right. God wants all of you. God wants every part of that relationship. And maybe you're here and you'd say, I've never let God in the house. I've never given God the key. The good news of the gospel is that God loves you. He cares for you. He's there for you. He, the, the truth is that he knows what's behind every door and he still chooses to love you. He knows you and he still chooses to love you. And that invitation's open for anyone and everyone. And it's open to you right now, regardless of what's behind every door, what's in every closet, God is inviting you into liberty, into freedom, into a life that's so filled with meaning and purpose and hope that whatever the circumstance, we can have joy, we can have meaning, we can have hope.